Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with a vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now, let's Manifest. Hey, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Less Man a Feast. Today, I actually have the pleasure of being joined by a beautiful woman that I had the opportunity of experiencing her energy and starting to learn more about her. I was like, okay, I get it. I get everything that she's doing. And her name is Devon Reeves. She's founder and chief hospitality strategist behind the Vaughn Group. She is an award-winning hotel consultant, a hotel asset manager. She has over 14 years of experience in the lodging industry and sits as a published author. Devon's diverse hospitality experience includes Blair Management Consulting Services, Hyatt Regency Atlanta, Harworth HCL, which is Hotel Development Consulting and Feasibility Studies, and CHM Warnick Asset Management. During her time at Harworth HCL and CHM Warnick, she managed portfolios totaling over $1 billion in hotel assets. So she is a boss and she has a signature system, the Pathway to Hotel Ownership Plan that combines strategic partnerships with hotel experts. And the real gist is they streamline a successful hotel acquisition process. And through this signature system, she's educated over 3,000 people and has successfully helped turn individuals into hotel owners. In fact, today we're going to be talking about her goal for 2021, which is to turn 221 Blacks, well, Blacks professionals, all of the above, into hotel owners. And I am here to have her tell more about it. So, Devon, welcome to Less Manifest. Thank you for having me, Kim. You are more than welcome. I'm excited to learn more about this. Um, as I was just saying to you before we started recording, like there are so many traditional investment options that we learn of, but a lot of people don't know about this. So you're about to share some gems. And uh, before you do that, though, let's play a quick game of this or that. Have you played this one before? No, it's so funny. One of my good friends, my, my best friend, she's a real estate agent. And um, that's what she uses for her uh, her Tuesday content. This or that. So that's the uh-huh. only that's yeah. the only way because <laughs> you know what this or that is a cut a good fun quick way to get to know someone and it keeps conversation going or it starts the conversation so for me I'm like I like doing it because I like to learn new things about the people that I am connecting with and I also like for listeners to learn something new beyond you know all the gems they need to know some fun stuff about you so the goal is for you to just say whatever comes to mind you're not supposed to think about this it's just going to be what whatever comes first and there is no right or wrong answer. (laughs) So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. The first one, chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Rain or snow? Snow. Really? No rain. I didn't (laughs) think about it. (laughs) The rain. What about car or motorcycle? Car. Comedy or horror? Comedy. Boat or plane? Girl, that's hard. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, what, what, what kind of boat? 
saying, uh-oh, what kind, what kind of boat? I, this is whatever boat you think of. Um, wait, is it, <laughs> are we going on a vacation or are we going to work? I'm like, it's, it's whatever, what, whatever comes to mind first. If you envision yourself on a vacation on a boat, there you go. Boat, yeah, vacation boat. If it's a vacation, we're going to go with a boat. If it's for, if it's for business, we get on the plane. We're getting it fast on the plane. What about painting or drawing? Painting. And the last one, reading or writing? I don't like either, but I'll say, <laughs> I'll say I, I read before I write. Oh, and, and you're an author. Imagine that. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. See, this this is why this game is a nice way to break the ice and get to know no, people. That was because, game. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, so now we know that even though you're an author, you don't necessarily like writing. You prefer comedy over horror, and you're taking the boat unless it's to get to business and you, you jump it on a plane. But what are three other things people may not know about you? Oh, I like pit bulls. You like? Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, they're loyal. When my son gets five, I'm going to get him a pit. You know, it's so interesting because I'm looking, um, I'm currently in the process of finding my fur baby. And there have been so many people that, like my cousins, they have pits. And there's so many other people I know that have pits. And they all say the same thing you just said. They are loyal. I'm like, but I thought that was all dogs. Oh, that's the- well, you know what? No, pits, they have a, it's a different level of loyalty with pits. And then I hate this. The pits get a lot of, they get bad reps. They, yes. are, they are an aggressive breed. I will say that. But it's also, it also goes back to the trainer. Cause I've seen it. One time I saw it on Judge Judy, somebody chihuahua, chihuahua uh, they were suing somebody cause the chihuahua attacked them. So, I mean, <laughs> girl, exactly. It, 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 it depends on the dog. It depends <laughs> on the too. But I'm just yes. saying, yeah, pits are loyal and they'll protect you too. Right, and then the pit will protect you. I have heard that. So you like pits. What are two other things? Um, I love to, oh, I love to, well, you know this, girl. I love to dance, honey. Yes, girl. Girl, I'm <laughs> jamming. I'm like, woo wait, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? I'm not a foodie. Like, I couldn't tell you. If somebody, people, I guess people think since I love to eat food, they think, I know restaurants, I really don't. I'm horrible at picking them, but I love food. It gives me mm. too much. If you want me to pick out a restaurant, I'm like, don't do that. We'll be here all day. So, <laughs> I, I love food, though, you know. Right, right. But I feel like that's that's how it is sometimes. Just because of the love doesn't mean you always know it. You just know how to pick it, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know how to eat the food. You know <laughs> Right. Like, I know that's too much of a headache. That's too much. You mean I got to pick the restaurant? I'm just focused on eating a a good meal. That's it. That's too much. That's it. Your your focus is to consume it and make sure that it's good to your taste buds, and that's it. Yeah, I I just want to show up. All that (laughs) making my head hurt. Right. Like, I just want to be there. Well, speaking of head hurting, that's not, I'm like, that's my, that might not be a good transition, but I'm just thinking about when you were 16, were you the type that was, actually, I don't want to ask what, what type of 16 year old you, you were. In fact, I just want you to give me the advice you would give to your 16 year old self, knowing all that you know now. 
to stay focused and consistent. So when I was 16, actually, a lot of people probably may not notice about me um, unless you really, really know me. I played the clarinet when I was in high school. Oh, and Yeah, I was very, very competitive. I played the uh, bass clarinet in, um, in concert band and I played the clarinet in marching band and I was like very persistent and determined to always be first chair. Like I always wanted to be the best. And so I would practice and practice and practice and practice, like practicing to the point where it, it was just the normal, like it didn't bother me to practice because I knew in order for me to be number one, I had to be, I had, I had, to, I even, I even sought out help. I got a private instructor um, to just to be the best um, wherever I went, wherever, mm-hmm. you know, wherever I went playing the clarinet, I was going to be the best. And so I would tell, I, I had to, I would tell my 16 self to continue to be that way because when I went to college, I kind of lost that drive a little bit. Like I lost that competitive edge. Um, I more so was like rushing, mm. like rushing to get where, but see when I was playing the clarinet, I was so focused on the present because I was so focused on being number one, right? And, you know, doing well in school. And I was just so immersed in my today I wasn't thinking about okay I want to do this when I grow I want to do this I got to get to the finish line and it's just like when I was in college I was rushing 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 I was taking on too much I was working full-time and I didn't have to and I sit back and I think to myself I'm like what was I doing like you know like some of my friends who I went to school with they're like Davon do you know so-and-so I'm like no and my mom I'm thinking did I really go to school because I missed out (laughs) so many opportunities of really connecting with people and really, I mean, now don't get me wrong. I really did enjoy my college experience, but I was, I was with my coworkers more than my, you know, my, my college friends. And don't get me wrong. I had a great experience and I, but I took on more than I could chew. And, and a lot of people don't realize when you, people believe in multitasking. I don't believe in multitasking anymore. Uh. I, I don't believe in multitasking anymore. And my dad said it best. He always said, Devon, there's no such thing as multitask. I'm like, daddy, yes, it is. You're just, this is the new way. No, mm-mm, he's right. He's absolutely right. So my dad would say, Devon, you, if you're doing four things at once, you're only giving 25% to mm. what you're doing. Right. You're not focused. You, you may get it done, but it may be sloppy. So now you have to go back. Either you have to go back and fix it or somebody else has to go back and fi- fix it. And you're just not giving really good work. And so the the more and more as I get older, the more and more I realize I was always rushing and rushing. I got to get done, but I was rushing and I wasn't focused. So I could have been given, you know, A plus quality work when really I was given a C, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't raised that way. I was raised to do, to, to give my best work and to always get A's. And so I noticed when I got to college, it changed. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what changed, but I don't, I had to, I had to reinvent myself these past couple of years to get back to that drive, to get back to, you know what, Davon, just focus on one thing. And if this is not a case study on focusing, girl, I don't know what is. (laughs) I'm just so focused on getting a hotel. I'm telling you, if you weren't talking about hotels if you weren't talking about buying a hotel, if you if you were doing anything that was going to bring negative energy in my life or speak negativity 
or not be uplifting or be encouraging or you were with the drama. I had to X you out my life. I didn't care if you were family or not. Oh, because because you have to protect your peace. You have to protect your space. Because mm-hmm. think about it. If you have somebody, you know, who's constantly, you know, they're just in the in the in the bad space. And see, I'm not a counselor. Like right. <laughs> but I didn't go to school to be a counselor. So I'll listen to you all day. You know, I really will. My friends will call me and they'll just want me to listen. I listen all day. Family, I literally listen all day. I don't, have my, I don't have a problem doing that. But when it comes to the point where you're bringing your toxicity in my life or where it's bringing me down, it's bringing my, my spirit down. Right. Okay, well, you know what? It's time for you to get some professional help. Like I'm here and I'll be here to support you, but it's time. And I had, to, and that's something that I had to realize, right? Mm-hmm. And so another thing that I had to realize, like, okay, I have a son. So I need to enjoy these moments with him because mm-hmm. I can't get this back. I can recreate anything else, but what I can't get, I can't recreate his first step. I can't recreate right. his first word. I can't recreate me teaching him. And the thing is with me, I want to do it. I don't want anybody else raising my child. So I had to, I had to humble myself and like, okay, Devon, this, what are the things that you want to focus on? What, what are the things that you want to do well? And you have to prioritize. You know, my son is a priority, right? Mm-hmm. Avon is a priority. I had to, I had to really like these past two years has just been like a, just a whole, just a whole process. Like actually these past 14 years, I guess, you know, people see, oh, she bought a hotel. They're like, oh, it was overnight. No, this was not overnight. Right. Like, and this is only the beginning, right? So this has just been 14 years of failures and mistakes and tears and heartaches and pain and success and, and, and just kind of, you know, balled up into one. Right. I, had, I had to come. So when I talk to people and I'm like, well, how do you do it? Well, you know, you have to find out what your passion is. Like people are rushing to, to, to do, I'm like to do what? I was just talking to somebody the other day and they wanted to intern with me. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And it was a whole bunch of nothing related to real estate. I said, well, you know, I can't help you. Right. I said, it's going to be a waste of my time and it's going to be a waste of your time. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, and it was for free. Like, he was like, you don't have to pay me. That's not the point. The point right. is you're blocking an opportunity for someone who really wants to understand commercial real estate. Uh-huh. Because you're thinking this is the right path. No, that's not the right path. You have to go with what's your passion, right? And so my hotels are passion. I can eat sleep, breathe, drink hotels, and I won't get, I won't get tired of it. Right. right. And why I'm doing so well. And I will continue to do well because I'm, because hotels are my fat, are, are my passion. And I extend to, to branch out going back to my 16 year old self, the clarinet was my passion. Right. I right. eat, sleep, breathe. I'm sure my mother can tell you, oh my gosh, Devon, if you do not put that clarinet down, because literally that's what I did because I wanted to be the best. So I had to actually, it's funny that you mentioned it. I had to go back to my 16 year old self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to go back to, okay, Devon, what are you doing now? Cause I had some hiccups. I definitely, I, I, de- I will be, I will admit I got distracted. I felt like I should have owned a hotel a long time ago. So, you know, it's funny you say this because we are going to talk about why you felt that way, because as I'm listening to you talk about, you know, wanting to be the best and really putting so much time and energy and focus into a craft, learning how to play any instrument is no 
easy job. Like you have to be focused and you have to be committed. And it seems like you channeled all of that into focusing on hotels and not just hotels as in learning about them. So when you go stay at one, you have a pleasurable experience. You put all that energy into learning the business behind it. And what I want to know as we start to really go deeper into conversation is what's the superpower behind that? Because hotels, the the lodging industry, one, is not an industry that we're always presented with in terms of these are the opportunities that are beyond the front desk worker or beyond, you know, uh, a manager to that extent, right? Like you have to go looking for these things. So one, what's the superpower that you have that have that has you now positioned to really be able to share more and vocalize the opportunities that do exist within this industry? But then how did you even get into it? Because I'm sure listeners are like, Kim, before you get into a superpower, how does this even get started? Okay, I don't feel like I have a superpower. People keep, ain't no secret sauce, it's nothing. I, I just, <laughs> it's, I don't, I, I get that question a lot. I'm like, I'm a superpower, I just wake up, you know? I just wake up <laughs> and, 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 and thank God. And I just, I guess focus, if you want to say a superpower, it's just, it's focus. And I genuinely love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely have, a mission of bringing more people of color into this space on the highest level. Because I realized during my career, the amount of billionaires and uber millionaires that were created. Right. And I said, and my dad basically told me like, Avon, you know, you helping people driving a Maserati and you got a Ford. Like, Like, what you doing? Right. Right. You know, it's not until you that click, like, you know what, you're right. Like you're getting you're helping them manifest their dreams and and putting their kids through college. And you sitting here trying to figure out you gotta save for a trip. Right. So right. So how I got there, it was more so of or how I got to this space, because I started off as a front desk agent. So uh, I'm sure people starting to hear that more and more. So I started off as a front desk agent at a hotel. And I mean, even when I started, I didn't know the possibilities of owning a hotel. Like it just didn't dawn on me. It mm-hmm. wasn't outside of my family, um, you know, commercial real estate, owning commercial real estate. It just, it just, I, 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 I wasn't exposed to that. And, um, you know, my dad was a firefighter. My mom was in human resources. My grand was, my grandmother was a, a retired nurse and, and the highest level of education she had was um eighth grade. Now, education was a big proponent. So I am fortunate that my mom graduated with her master's, my aunt graduated with her master's. So, you know, I've been fortunate. So it wasn't like, you know, I didn't I didn't know anything about higher education. Right. But the level of ownership and my grandmother owned her home and my dad, you know, mom owned, so that wasn't a big thing, you know, owning a home, it, in my opinion, because everybody around me owned their home. So it wasn't like that, you know, I didn't really understand the importance of it until later on in life. Mm-hmm. How I got into it is just um, as you mentioned in my bio, um, uh, you know, working for internships and you know, working at companies such as CH and Warnick. Um that's when I realized the possibility of ownership. Like, okay, these people, they may have started, you know, they maybe had more of a head start because they, you know, had access to capital or, you know, they worked in this position. But either way, it was still possible, right? right. I'm literally learning all of these different things and the different components. 
uh, to become a hotel owner. And so I just, um, I've always been curious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was at the, you know, sitting at the decision-making tables and I realized that I was the only person of color, uh. I realized that, okay, the people who really commanded the table and commanded the room, they owned the building. They owned the real estate. Right. So I was paying attention and I noticed the people who were like uber smart or the people who weren't really that smart and they making all the decisions. I'm like, this person's not even that smart. Like, how are they, you know what I mean? But it's the fact that they owned it, right? Right, right. So, so I realized, you know, that during my career, and, and that's just something, and by me going back to my 16-year-old self, I want to be number one, right. right? I want to be the first chair. And so what does that mean? That means that you have to own a hotel, which is the highest level of hotel ownership, of, the, of hotels is actually owning it. Hmm, 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 hmm. And, and again, this is something that a lot of people may not even have thought possible, especially for people of color. And why we think that way, I, I, I'll never know. But I do think that a lot of times it's not it's not who who goes to you and say, hey, girl, you going to own a hotel. Like who who teach you didn't teach that you weren't taught that when you were growing up. Now, exactly. In the Indian community. They own over 50% of the motels. So that's nothing new. In the Indian community, meaning people from India, uh -huh. that's nothing new because literally everybody owns a hotel or you know somebody that owns a hotel. So right. that, but in the African American community, less it's than exactly less than 2% of the hotels are owned by African Americans, right? Uh -huh. And typically, you know, they didn't, we didn't think about it. And we forget that, you know. During segregation, it was a lot of black hotel owners because you know why we couldn't stay at the Hiltons or the Marriotts or you know the Holiday Inns. We couldn't stay at those hotels, right. so we had to own our. Think about the hotel on Tulsa and and the hotels in the Black Wall Street and Raleigh and Indianapolis and all these black-owned hotels that you know during the Civil Rights Movement or when you're traveling. Think about the Green Book mm. for hotels because people had to. So they needed a place to stay. Actually, my good friend, as my as my good friend Omari Head said, you know, black people, we were the original Airbnb. Right? There you go. There you go. Because yeah. during those days when you travel, you know, my grandmother, she's from South Georgia. So when she would travel back and forth from Philly to her see her friends and family in Georgia, they had to use things like the Green Book or they just had to stay at family house or sleep mm -hmm. in the car because they couldn't stay at white-owned establishments. So it's not... The concept of being a black hotel owner is not new. Right. It's not new at all. It's just that. Is it now that we have more access to information? Exactly. It's just more access to information. And not only that, um, access to information, just like, okay, you know what? It's possible. Like if homegirl can do it, you know, homegirl who grew up in the hood can do it. You know what? Then I can't. It, it's just like, okay, you know what? I don't just have to be a general manager or right. I just don't have to be lawyer or you know I just don't have to be now it's like okay the sky is the limit and I li literally can do anything that I want to right right and you can and that's why I think it's important that you have this goal of helping 221 people of color manifest hotel ownership because at least people are that are listening especially can be like well I want to be one of the 221 right but I don't just want to be the only one I want to bring other people on board with me as well so what I want to ask you is how does this goal actually happen what do people need to do 
Oh, that's a great question. So I want to create 221 hotel owners and investors in 2021. So it's four things that you can do to join this movement or be a part of Team 221, right? So if you want to be a part of Team 221, you need you can invest in a REIT, which is a real estate investment trust. Um, so there are 18 lodging REITs that you can invest in, um, different ones. Well, maybe 17, I think one just closed. And um, you can also invest in crowd, a crowdfunding, uh, um, which is a, a you know, uh, think of like the GoFundMe for hotels or something like that for commercial real estate. So there are different, there are different crowdfunding platforms that you can invest in and still invest um, in hotels. You can invest privately through a fund or through, uh, through a syndication or... I do know folks who literally, and those the three, the first three that I mentioned, those are the passive investment route. Okay. I mean, you're like, you like, look, this is this is like, so let's say you like, look, they fine, look, girl, I ain't, I, I, I'm just trying to focus on man fees, but I got a little extra funds, girl, I ain't, I ain't trying to own my own hotel like you. I just wanted to, like, you know, passively invest, invest, right? Mm -hmm and have my money grow for me. Those first three are good options for you because you have other people like myself who are literally doing the work, doing the hard work um, to, to, to manage the deal. And so the syndication route or being an elite sponsor, um, that's the fourth way. And so that's where you're literally putting a deal together, you're raising capital, you're finding lending, you're finding the deal, you're securing a management company, like you're literally doing everything to get the hotel. And then not only after that, you're actually managing the hotel. Um, mm, so you have the highest staff and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So question for you, because... I don't, I mean, like, this is your show. So if you want to run us through the benefits of each one, you know, the first three you were saying, those are for like people that are passively thinking about investment. But then yeah. the last one, yeah. if the last one sounds more hands-on, definitely seems where you'll be able to really make your mark and make more of an impact because you have more um, flexibility to really choose who's a part of this day-to-day -day operation. But are there... Well, they're, they're pros and cons to, to all of them, right? So can you quickly tell us some of the pros and cons? Sure. So when you invest in the first three that I mentioned, uh, uh, investing in a REIT, which is a real estate investment trust, investing in crowdfund or investing in um, uh, privately through a fund. So the pros, as I mentioned, is more passive approach. Um, you just, you know, just a way to park your money if you're trying to get, you know, maybe more of a return in the stock market or something like that for your retirement account. That's what people, that's what I've seen people typically do. Um, the cons would be you don't have a say-so, like you don't have any voting rights. So if you don't like how the property is being managed, then I mean, well, you know. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there's really nothing you can do, even if you put a lot of equity in or a lot of cash or capital in. If you're as listed as a limited partner, you really don't have any say so. Um, it's not really your deal. You're just, you know, just 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 an investor. I mean, you still have depending on how it's structured, you may have some equity stake or something, but you won't have any voting rights and you only can do what's outlawed in your, your operating agreement. Um, mm. The. Uh, um, the pros and cons for being a syndicate syndicator or general partner um, would be, and that's more of an active investor and that active role. Um, the pros would be, you know, um, you definitely get more of, you get more of a, um, 
you get ownership. I'm going to say ownership. You get more of the lead role, which um, then you'll get, you know, percentage and everything for managing a deal because essentially you're the asset manager. Um, you get to make all the decisions. Um, so that's more of the, the pros. Um, you get more of a voice. Um, you get to be the face or, you know, you get the, like I say, you get to make all the, uh, make all the decisions. Um, the, the, the con is, when something go bad, you're the face. You got to make right. decisions. You got to deal with all the stress. You got to deal with the loan. Um, so there's definitely a lot of cons. It's not like, ooh, it's so pretty. And I'm like real transparent. So I let people know, like, look, a hotel is a hotel. So right. it's different than a multifamily, right? So multifamily or apartment complex, you know, they focus on mostly on nightly leases, but people don't always need a place to stay. Recall mm-hmm. if it's a recession and recall what's going, if the economy is up and down, People are going to always need a place to stay, right? And even if somebody get evicted, they're going to turn around and put somebody right back in that spot. And that person is going to stay from, you know, anywhere from, you know, six months to a year, as opposed to a hotel. The reason why there's a, it's riskier because it's a night, think of it as a nightly lease. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's unpredictable. Like you can project, okay, you know, our hotel is going to be 70%, you know, for the month. But then what if it comes in and you project it 70% and really it could have been a bad storm and the group got canceled and now your hotel is at 50%. Right, right. Well, that's, the, you know, that's that's the shortfall, right? Because mm-hmm. think about it, when you, you're projecting, you know, staff, you're projecting expenses, you're projecting everything, you know, based off what you thought your hotel was going to bring it and that didn't happen, Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's um, at a loss and it's not enough to cover, you know, debt service or your mortgage. And now you got to go into like your reserve to cover it. So it's a lot of complexities that you have to deal in a lot of stress as a as a sponsor. So I would consider that to some people would consider that as a con um, because it is it's a lot. It's a lot of headache, especially if you're working with investors um, you know, you are responsible for their investment. That's a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. So a heart. Some people don't care. I have a heart. So it is stressful because these people, you know, people are entrusting me with their investments. Right. And I feel like they're coming, you know, going back to me being in, in the hospitality space, you're essentially, you're coming into my home. Right? right. So I have to take care of you as a guest. Right. You're coming into my my, my my space. And so I want to make sure that you're taken care of throughout the entire process because you're entrusting me with your hard earned funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be very stressful. So if people ask me what keeps me up at night. That keeps me up at night. I want to make sure that my investors get their return on investment and that they um and that they're, you know, uh 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 taken care of and making sure, uh, you know, that the hotel runs. Now, fortunately, you know, we know with COVID that um, with the hospitality industry probably really won't be coming back for the next couple of years. Right. 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 But when it comes back, girl, it's going to come back so stronger. I can't wait to travel. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the other thing too, that you know, as people listen and they think through what are quote unquote recession proof investments, honestly, I don't think there are any, if, if there are, there are not many, but the reality is that what goes down always comes back up. So you should be thinking about long-term investment as opposed to always 
sometimes thinking short term. Um, because I'm, I think sometimes some people are so focused on circumstances as they may appear in front of them, not realizing that we didn't get here overnight, right? So in order for us to get out of this, it's not going to be an overnight process. But as you think about where you want your money to reside long term, you might want to really think through what is it going to look like in a few years when things do turn around, you want to be a part of that. So, yeah, at least that's how I look at it. But looking at it right. Yeah, I'm like, that's the way that I would look. I would look at it that way because an investment is always at risk, period. Right. Always at risk. Is no such thing as a safe investment. And I try to tell people that, like, and if somebody tells you that it's it's safe, safe, then or you yeah. won't have any issues, it's I'm a like, scam. I mean, it's always gonna be exactly it's always it's a scam. Yeah. Like, I tell people, hey, if you don't want to work with that's fine. And that's it, because you have to go with what's comfortable with. And I've even had to turn down some investors because mm-hmm. I thought, like, look, this is not gonna be a win-win situation and I want and I want because we're gonna be together for about five years. Right. I'm gonna I, this needs to be it needs to be win-win. I don't want you to feel like you know and I let people know the expectation. This is a hotel. It may be some months where the hotel is like at 10, 20 percent. Mm-hmm. That may happen. Right. It may happen the hotel is at 95%. That may happen too. So I let people know in advance, I don't try to make it pretty. I'm very transparent. And I'd rather be transparent and set expectations than, oh, this is beautiful when you get out of this and da 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 Okay, that's just not being realistic. And I would get, I would, that, that I wouldn't even be myself. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, I stop myself. I'm like, you know, let me just stop y'all. Y'all, I'm like, <laughs> this is not how I operate. I'm too transparent. <laughs> but that's good because, again, when people are thinking about their hard earned funds, they do want transparency because they want someone that is going to care about their funds the way they care about it, if not even more because of the fact that one, it's a trust situation. If they don't trust you or they feel like they can't trust you, then you're already walking into something that's not gonna work. So people want to be able to trust those that are you know, more of the expert in a certain field, experts in a certain field with their investment. Like that's just what it is. And it's better to be transparent than not and have the, the relationship muddy because you know, you didn't properly set those expectations, which is um, something that I feel more people need to do more proactively as, instead of being reactive. But, you know, as we talk about the fact that there are pros and cons to everything, what's your advice for people that are saying, yes, I'm ready to get my coins together for this investment? What is it that they really need to do? Is it that they need to... Um, you know, dip into 5k? Is it more like think 20 or is it, it's whatever you can afford to do? Like, what do they need to know? Well, it depends on the deal. And that first thing I tell people to do always is to start with your ownership thesis and to do your research. I tell people to do your, do your research on me. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be quite honest, do your numbers, check your numbers. I tell people to do that because at the end of the day, you need to do your due diligence because I'm doing the same thing. Right. Right. And um, so, so go with your ownership thesis. This is for any type of investment. You know, you need to know how much you can invest. Um, hotels are definitely a capital intensive pro- um, process. 
So it's long-term. It is not a quick flip. If you are looking for a quick flip, do not invest in a hotel because it's not going to happen and you're going to be disappointed. And uh-huh. you can't come back and say, Devon, because I'm like, no, because I told you. And I had <laughs> I, I had it recorded that I told you it is a long-term investment. <laughs> so it is. It's, I, mean, it, I mean, think about it. Because if you buy, it takes about three years for a hotel to stabilize. Right. Wow. Under new management, under it, that's it's, it's just a long process, you know, because it's, it's based off nightly, it's based off groups. Think about what's going on with COVID. We got to get back with COVID. I mean, it's just it's a process. It's not like you buy a house and then you flip it. Right. It's not it's not the same thing. And so I would tell people to start with your ownership thesis. You know, think about do you really want to be active? Like, be true to yourself. Like I had like I was at, I was talking to somebody. And they wanted to start out owning it, like being an active investor. And the more and more I started talking about it, they were like, you know what? I want to be a passive investor. I said, I knew that coming in. I knew that's what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to be realistic with yourself and what you actually can do. Can Do you want to become a passive investor? Do you want to become an active investor? Do mm-hmm. Which market? Which type of hotel brands? There's so many different hotel brands. There's so many different types of hotels. Do you want to invest in full service? Do you want to invest in limited service? Do you want to invest in comedy? And I mean, economy hotels, which more is like a super eight or something like that, or limited service is more like a Hampton Inn or something like that. And the full service, think of like a, a Marriott or Marquis or something like that, or Four Seasons, all of those. Are, that, that's, that's what you consider a full service. And Four Seasons is considered a luxury hotel so again it's going back to your ownership thesis but you have to go and educate yourself because i'm right. saying all these things people are like whoa whoa what slow down yeah i want you to educate yourself because it's so many different components and there's so many different factors mm-hmm. so you really figure out what is best for you and for your your investment appetite so i would definitely say um, um do your research do your homework um i provide resources free resources on my website um, which will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So thank you for that. And um, that that's startup is doing your homework. Um, Do your homework. You know what? The first step is really before you even get to the ownership thesis is that mindset. Mm. Like people literally can't wrap their brain around them owning a hotel. Like people can't wrap their like hotels. That's a that could be a way of diversifying your investment portfolio. So I've already planted the seed. Where it's like you know what. This is possible. Mm-hmm. People are like, I'm not doing that because of COVID and nobody's staying in the hotels. And you know what? Hotel and investing is not for you. And I'm not going to waste my time trying to try, trying to prove you wrong. If that's what you want, that's that how you feel. That's how you feel. So when the people who invested today in three years, they invest in portfolio looking straight, then I don't want to hear you complaining. Because I equate to the hotel industry now to the real estate side of it. I compared that to the real estate crash about 10 years ago. Mm, big funds who are coming in and they are literally when i say like they are literally creating funds just to buy distressed assets they see the opportunity they're in real estate they think long term people with long money they think long term they don't Mm -hmm. think a little quick flip they don't think about today oh you know what the hospitality industry is not doing well today okay great but you know what they know for a fact it's going to come back they Mm -hmm. know for because they're business travelers, they know that they know the conventions. And not even that, they want to get out and travel themselves. There you go. That's it. You, I'm gonna ask you this: What were you doing during COVID? Weren't you on like Instagram or Pinterest, thinking like, "Ooh, I want to go here." Can't you wait. Mm-hmm. I want to go marketing and tenant. So multiply that about millions and millions of people of doing it. Right. 
Where they, and then you don't need a place to stay, right? You're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to need a place to stay. You know what? Somebody posted this cool bed and breakfast. You know what? I'm going to say that bed and breakfast. I ain't think about staying there. Oh, that hotel looked pretty cool. You know what? I'm going to say that hotel. I don't really want to stay at Airbnb. I really want to stay at the hotel. I feel mm-hmm. yeah. like that. And then amplify that and take it to the end. Because there's so many people thinking like that. You know what? I was thinking the same thing. And I'm in the hotel space. I'm like, ooh, I forgot. Oh, that hotel look nice. Oh, I think I want to stay there. Oh, that city look nice. I ain't never heard of that city. I didn't know that you could do all that. Just think about that. And then when when it, when when places really start open up and it's more safe for you to travel. You there. You're there. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's it. And that's exactly how it happens. Which crazily enough was a nice segue to my last question for you, which is what are you manifesting? Um, you know what I'm manifesting? What's that? Manifesting to own a hotel in uh, each major brand. Oh. Sorry, Hilton. Okay, now. I want to get a Marriott. I want to get a Choice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to yeah, be here for it. In, in the window. In the window. Okay. We're going to be here for it. We, <laughs> I'm like, the listeners as well as myself are like, I'm trying to get up in that as well. So, yeah, definitely here to see the manifestation of that. And I'm really excited to see the manifestation of those 220 people. I'm not sleeping. People like, Devon, where you going to sleep when I get the 221? Oh, there you go. And it's coming. Here's the other thing. The other thing is that it's in progress, which is even more exciting because people are thinking about their long-term investment. They're thinking about the future. They are bookmarking and pinning and, you know, um, saving content of what they like and where they want to go. So it's going to happen. And the cool thing about that is for those that were not thinking, now they are. Because now they know Devon Reeves and now they're like, oh, I have access to her from this podcast. I know how to get in touch with her and I have questions. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to have her answer them for me. So it's a win-win. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, definitely a win-win. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, information, like I said, it, it's, on, it's on my website um, as far as you know, with the information, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is good. I'm behind yeah. on my, I'm behind on responding to Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you like those DMs. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm on Clubhouse too. So people reach out to me from Clubhouse. So I'm behind. So I'm so sorry. So no. for those who, man, she ain't even respond yet. Look, I will. I'm so scared. Yeah. I like to personally respond. I'm old school. I be wanting to personally respond. Yeah. So, to like personally respond to everybody it, it, it's just taking me a little minute I'm, I'm sorry like look do you want me or do you want the assistant because then you'll be mad at me the assistant <laughs> right it's good to- look I'm trying y'all I'm trying and I got a little so the little one get priority because I'll be there responding he makes me know he's bombing on top of the table so I <laughs> you got to respond to him first but you thank, you. thank you so much for joining Let's Man at Feast Devon definitely a good time having you here and thank you for dropping these gems and sharing so much knowledge with all of the listeners and myself um, for the listeners before you get to the next episode of Let's Man at Feast don't forget to share this podcast 
We're going to help Devon get to the 221. So definitely pass this along. Follow her on social media. Definitely leave a review. Let her know, you know what you thought. Let her know any questions that you may have. Again, reach out if you have anything that you want to ask her. You just have to know that she's going to get back to you. She's going to get there. But um, if you have anything... Devon, that you want listeners to do, I'm sure you will be able to tell them when they reach out. She is transparent. So if you are not ready for the real, don't reach out, is what I will say. And until next <laughs> time, y'all. Now, you, now you sound like some of my friends. They say the same thing. Like, well, if you don't want, if you want, you don't want the truth or you want the truth. Yeah, you know. You're gonna, you're gonna reach out. You're gonna reach out. But thank you so much, ma'am, for joining. And you know, until next time, let's manifest, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family, share this with your friends, share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest.